closer. <laughs> Father, I thank you so much again for the wonderful privilege of hearing your heart through these vessels. And Lord, I just ask that, again, that you would open their mouths, open the innermost ear, Father, that they would have that courage and the confidence from their identity in you to speak to us from that place. Thank you, Father, for giving them this journey to walk out in the body of Christ, that we would all behold and transform. It is your life. Help us to understand that, to make that transition, God. Change the language in our soul to understand the truth. We have died. It is your life. Manifest your life. Let OCC shine and be radiant with your glory, God. Lord, I just ask again for a freedom and a liberty. Lord, that they would feel the love that is extended to them from this body. But Lord, we love them. They are ours. <laughs> And we need them. And so bless them from that place in Jesus' name. Amen. You do know that that's what his purpose is. Is to manifest his life through his body as we go walking around the town each day. We want to start again with that song. Yeah, we sang a song last week that we'd like to open with just to kind of get your minds wrapped around it again. And we just sat down, but we just.
So, God is so faithful. So when you're going to have a message, God is so faithful to say, here, let me show you. We discovered this many years ago, actually. Yeah. We'd be getting ready for to give a message, especially we're going to share one together. And he would let us walk through what we're going to share on, like within 24 to 48 hours. Boom, there it is. So we got it. We came in last night and had some different business stuff I needed to do. We got in here about, I don't know, 4, 4.30 from New Meadows. I don't know, two and a half, three hours away. We had forgotten something and went back to the house to pick it up and walked through the house a couple times to make sure we got everything. Got here and got to the hotel and I was unpacking and I realized I had no dress. I had some really ratty capri uh, pants, but... I offered to drive. Yeah, I was, what, 5 o'clock by then? I offered to drive home and get it and come back. You know, I was only going to take a six-hour round trip. But. So immediately I figured, you know what? I guess Christ wants to go to Lewiston <laughs> and see if there's a dress there for me. Because we're going to Lewiston today, and I knew that if it wasn't for the fact that I didn't have a dress, I would never have been able to talk Philip into going to Lewiston. But I went, we got in the car and left, I don't know, about 6 o'clock, and I had this expectation. This, I just don't know how else to express this to you, but this is life. An expectation that the way I thought the evening was going to go didn't go that way, so there must be something that I'm not aware of that Christ is going to do. So we went to the store, the dress store, 
and I found a dress, which is pretty amazing because I'm very picky. I'm very picky. Yeah. Um, and I even found a little jacket to go over it because I don't like to show my arms. Um, anyway, so we come, and I was kind of looking as we, you know, walk around. I just, I have this expectation. I thought, well, maybe somebody in the store or whatever. I don't know what Christ is doing, but I know he's doing something. So we're getting ready to check out, and the person at the checkout counter had a very interesting name. And I just said something. I said, is that really your name? And and as Philip and I were talking about it afterwards, when we came up there, it was just like he had a like a weight, you know. And um, he was the only one checking people out. And maybe it had been a long day. I don't know. But I just asked is this really your name? Yeah. How in the world did you get a name like that? And he t- said it was his dad who had named him that. And um, so as soon as we started interacting, he just brightened up. I didn't say the word Jesus. I didn't invite him to church. I didn't tell him I was a Christian. But Christ in me ministered to him. By the time we left, he was smiling I didn't. Almost a different person. Right. I didn't do anything. It really brightened up his day. I didn't do anything that you would standing to one side say, "Well, that was amazing." But Christ in me had a message, and I really felt like the message was, "I know, I know you're here. I see you." I cannot tell you how many times that message has been able to be spoken through our lives, and yet sometimes we don't even realize that's why we're on the scene. It's just so that people can have. The reality that someone greater than them, and they don't even understand it sometimes. They don't even know why. But there's something that lifts in their heart when they realize, somebody sees me. Somebody knows I'm here. So that was just a reminder of Christ in me. I just want to say this because we, we, we live in a world where it's kind of like we... Judge the situation by what happens. How many of you have ever had something happen that you were like, wow, I wish that I could go back and do that differently? We all have. Like, remember my dress. But here's, I just want to say this. The same Christ who says, I would like to go, I would like Julian Philip to go to Lewiston and express my life to someone in a department store is the same Christ that says, so... I'm not going to remind them that the dress is hanging right there where they've walked past three times. See, that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because the view that we have of God is that he always makes everything work well according to our expectations. That he's always standing there going, oh, yes, I know you wanted to do that. Of course I'm going to move the whole world so that that happens. How many of you not are, are not seeing that happen in your life? The truth of the matter is, because it's his life, there's this wonderful expectation that we don't actually know today what the plan is or what is going to transpire, but we know that it's going to be bigger than what we have on our agenda. And it it means things like you wake up in the morning and you have all this stuff that you need to do, but you're in so much pain you can't even get out of bed. Nobody goes, thank you, Jesus. And yet Christ in you says, I need something else to happen today. It is, a, it is a leaning in and resting in God in a way that is amazing, but it's also, it's just, there's so much hope in it. But anyway, Philip's going to give you a quick recap. 
of last week. Which we started out last week with the recognition that we're dead. Did you ever, everybody catch that last week? You died. I, I, there was a song we heard by a, a Christian artist. We can ago. put that up there. This, that next slide. Yes, thank you. Uh, a song, and, and in that song, this guy had, had left uh, something in a public location, and when they brought it to his house, and they said, is this yours? And he looked at it, and he said, no, that person died back in 1962. He had the, he had the knowledge, the understanding, that he was no longer alive. When you're born again, born of the Spirit, you are placed into Christ, which means you died with him on that cross. So you're dead, thank God. Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Number two was that Christ is now your life. And we draw that from Romans 6.11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. And then Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. This is my third one. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's interesting to note it's not by faith in the Son of God in this particular passage. He's stating by the faith of the Son of God. It's by his faith. So when our faith isn't up to it, if you want to say, you want to put it that by his faith, it's now his life dwelling in me. So we have some handouts. Um, I'll have Christina hand out. As long as you promise that um, you won't like, throw them around the room or anything like that. Like airplanes? Airplanes. No, and we're not going to follow this. This is something for you to take home and put on your curator or, I don't know, uh, put in your Bible and read or whatever. It's just some of the points that we're going to talk about today. And then on the back are three questions. We're not going to say question number one and give you the answer. We're hoping that as you listen to us today, you will find the answer to those three questions um, because we're going to cover that material. So um, if you don't know how to answer those questions, you probably might have napped for just a few minutes in the middle of the message. So, Okay, so this, this knowledge that is now Christ living in you, in us, what if we're having trouble believing that, that this is true, getting our mind wrapped around it? How many have a little trouble with that? Like it's not every day, like forefront of your mind, you don't walk out the door and go, you know what, well, I'm not walking out the door, it's Christ who's walking out the door. Or you find yourself in a situation where you're like, I really need to deal with this. No, no real reality of, you know, it's Christ. That's where I live. 
I can it's tell not, you, it's, there's many times that I have to bring myself back to this truth. I can tell you, when we first was having this presented to us, I struggled with that. Because there's a part of me that didn't want to die. Didn't want to see myself as dead. To reckon yourselves dead and sin alive unto Christ. And I, and I struggled with that. So, so if it's his life, what part of it is mine yet? You know, what? surely there's a sliver left for me to express myself. It requires faith, belief in what Christ has promised. Believing Christ is our life doesn't become truth just overnight. You don't just, okay, so now I, I, I've heard it, I believe it, you know, and that's it. Just because we say it's true doesn't mean we necessarily believe it. It'll, it'll be borne out. When we, when we come to where we believe it, it'll show. So the title of our message today is You Are What You Believe. So that's a little bit of a play on words because the reality of it is you actually are who God says you are. That's really true. But you're going to live like you are whatever it is that you believe. That's going to be, that's going to be the reality that you live in. That's going to be how you operate in your life according to how you see yourself, whether you see yourself still trying to, you know, get God to see you, get God to understand. So um, you are what you believe and who you believe that you are is the way that you live your life. God knows that we are in process. And here's the process that we're in. We're moving from what we think we are to who he knows we are in him. Now, this is not a move as in you pack up the truck, put everything in there, and you get in the truck and you drive and you arrive and you unpack the truck and now you've arrived. This is our life. Moving from what we think we are to who he knows we are in him. And it's true whether you believe it or not. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You read that in the Bible. But if you look at your life, you might find out that you don't live like that's true. Because you may still live like you're just an old, rotten, dirty sinner that's trying really hard to get righteous with God. God knows that we're in that process. Romans 12.2 says we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a process. I think we've become afraid of this process. I think we think that Christianity should be really um, non-messy. Just kind of everybody comes together and goes, yes, how are you? I'm fine. I'm good, yes. And yet, sadly, the, this should be the place where people can come and say, I'm not fine. I'm struggling with the reality that someone bigger than me is in charge, and I'm fighting against it. I'm wanting to do my own thing. All of those things can sometimes frighten us if we think that we have to have arrived somewhere and that the truth is only the truth because we believe it. The truth about who God is is true whether you believe it or not today. The truth that he loves you is true whether or not you know he loves you. 
everything that is true about God does not depend upon man's belief, but our lives are changed as we believe. So just because you don't know that God is going to supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, you can quote that scripture forever, and if there's still doubt in your heart, you obviously don't believe. That doesn't mean he's not going to provide, but you probably won't see it. Very possibly you'll look at it and go, well, look at what I did. I got a better job. Faith is not about what we see. One of my favorite scriptures is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is truth. Your, your inner man is being transformed every single day. For this light momentary affliction, anybody know what that's about? Mm. Is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, temporary, temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is light momentary affliction, and then there's like heavy, terrible affliction. So this, at this particular time, they're talking about light momentary affliction. How many of you have had some more than light momentary affliction? All right. But even that is preparing us for this eternal weight of glory, for us to be able to fully comprehend what is already true about Christ in us and who we are in him. It's a process that he is orchestrating and he's working in our life. Faith in God means trusting him to reveal what is true about Jesus and who he is in us. This transformation and revelation is what he is doing. So sadly, much of, what we, much of what we have called walking with Jesus is based on what we see, not on faith. So we try to make our lives look a certain way so we can be part of the body of Christ, even though our part in the kingdom is only because of Christ. This is my example. I was raised, I'm a pastor's kid, and I was raised in church to believe that Christians look a certain way. And um, nobody ever got up, and I just say this, nobody ever got up in the pulpit and said, Christians look a certain way. But there was all of these things that were condemnation to you if you didn't look like that. So I spent much of my life trying to look that way, and I failed miserably because I couldn't hide what was really in my heart. I was, I was a very good actress. I was. And I learned from a very young age to be very good about, you know, you put on the smile when you come in the door, even though your heart is filled with fear, even though you're, you're just worried, anxious, all of those things. You put on the right smile, you say the right words, you act the right way, and then you can only do that for so long. And then there came a point where I was like, this is too hard. We talk about this all-powerful God, and he's not powerful enough to work in my life to make me what I need to be. It doesn't seem right. The power of God is diminished in our eyes if we do not understand that it's his work. But every one of us in this room have a picture of what that looks like. What does the work of God look like in people's lives? 
You say, oh, no, I don't have a picture. Well, I'll tell you, the next time you see somebody doing something and you have judgment in your heart against them, or you go, I wonder why they're doing that. They call themselves a Christian. That would be you having a picture in your mind of what it looks like. This is scary stuff. Because in the body of Christ, we really want everybody to look the same. And we don't want messes. And we don't want people to fall apart. We don't want people to just do weird things and say weird things, especially in the middle of a church service, because we're all here, we think, for whatever the expectation is, whatever the reason is that we're here. And yet, this is how God works. If you look at the Gospels, you see that Jesus kind of, not kind of, over and over, he pushed back against this is the way that it has to be, the expectation of this is what it looks like when God works in people's lives. And if you want to look even further, look in the Old Testament and see how God worked in people's lives. It's pretty over the top, and yet we have our picture. And I had a picture myself, and I really came to a place where it was like, okay, then if, if, if Christ can't do this, then I don't think it's going to get done. That was the best place for me to be in because I discovered the power of God working in me in ways that I did not even understand. When the emphasis is on what we do and see instead of who he is in us, we have to deny what we really feel and think in order to remain acceptable in God's sight. Suppression is the hallmark of much of Christianity. Suppression is the hallmark of much of Christianity. And there's no judgment. I don't know many of you. I don't know what's going on in your heart. Maybe you aren't suppressing anything. But I've done counseling sessions with many, many, many people, and they're all come to the point they're like, you know what? I don't know. I've just never been able to face this because I'm a Christian, and Christians shouldn't feel this way. I think how sad. And we can't be honest about where we are in our hearts when we have the life of Christ here. We have the spirit of God that's going, I want to heal you. I want to set you free. And yet we hide and we put on the mask and we do all those things in an effort to keep from having to face what he wants to redeem and to make truth to us. That's that suppression thing. I think nobody ever said this. I've never heard this from a pulpit. But what was conveyed to us when I was little growing up and most of my adult life is that those who can suppress the most are the most spiritually mature. Uh-oh. There's no basis of truth in that at all. As a matter of fact, that's one reason most men can't get in touch with their feelings. They've been taught to stuff them so deep that they couldn't find them if they weren't looking for them. Um, and you're speaking from example, right? Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still. That's, that's a, you know, it, some people are on the road to recovery of one kind or another. I am too. I'm learning. I'm learning to try to get in touch with my feelings because when I suppress them and stuff them, they come back up later as an abscessed tooth almost. I mean, they, they will come back up and fester their way into your life somewhere. 
That was an extra. It wasn't even in my notes. <clears throat> what does this transformation and renewal of the mind process look like? 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's take that word revelation out. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. At the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Not necessarily in the, you know, when he comes out on the clouds at the end of the age. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. In you and me right now. So it's talking about the praise and the glory and the honor. Goes to him. As he is present and manifests himself in our very being today. The trial of your faith, finding out what you really believe. That is a very, uh, that's something God's in the process of doing every day. You know, when something comes up and you have an expectation that was not met, which for most of us that results in anger, frustration, throwing a fit, Depression, oh, very much depression. He allows he allows these things. The fact that she forgot her dress, or we got another one very similar on our way to Canada in April. Uh, I got as far as Grangeville from New Meadows. That's an hour and a half. And she said, "Oh, by the way, you do have your passport, don't you?" So we turned around after we got gas and drove all the way back to New Meadows just to get my passport to get through the border. And I got a phone call on the way back, just as we got back into the valley, that was someone that needed to talk who would have been out of silver. I mean, you know, you just, you can't make this stuff up, people. You can't make it up. He drove us three hours out of our way. Exactly. I say he did it. He could have reminded me to get that passport. He's got big shoulders. He can carry the blame. <clears throat> but actually, it's his life. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yes. And he does that every day. He does. One way or another. He, he, but, but these things that he throws up in our, in our life that we can view as a frustrating, irritating thing, he puts them there to give us opportunity to find out where, where our faith is, where our, what our belief is, and to test our belief and see if it's trusting in Him and based in Him. Where do I leave off? Thank you. God has a wonderful way of exposing our true belief system. It is wonderful. I tell people that all the time. They'll call and say, oh, my goodness, Julie, this is going on in my life. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. They're all my friends, and they all know me well. That is so amazing. This is a place that God is going to reveal what you really are trusting in right now. I kind of hear some fear and anxiety there. 
oh yeah, I'm so afraid. I'm like, wow, this is an opportunity for you to experience Christ showing you truth. Now, what I don't do is I don't talk them into it because Christ in them is already there. The Spirit of God, there's a promise. The Spirit of God is always saying the same thing, always pointing back to Jesus, who is our life. We don't have to worry about that. There's this whole other conversation going on that we sometimes aren't even aware of. And I just, it's, it's like you're just like, listen, there's more happening here. What do you feel? What do you know inside? Well, actually, yeah, God is in control. Maybe you need to go to him and find out what he wants you to know about this fear and anxiety that just stirring up in here. But the exposing of that is the part we don't, none of us want to go through. I don't, I don't appreciate that. I mean, to be exposed, what Philip was saying years ago, I mean, not that long ago, if I would have said to him, I forgot my dress, there would have been a emotional response that would have come right here that would have been, what? Actually, Why didn't you walk through the house four more times until you found everything that you needed? And actually, I think yesterday there was a slight hesitation on her part to even tell me. But, you know, the response that I felt was not the old response I used to feel. And that's awesome. It's, it's now, it's now, it's, it's coming so quick, okay? It's his life, you know? When you crawl back and forth under a house fixing somebody's plumbing, 15 trips where you get in the crawl space and I had to, and I had to go clear to the other end of the house. 15 lousy trips. My knees were getting bloody on the rocks under there. Why couldn't it have happened? Because I'd have to come back up, go up in the bathroom, try to fix it from there, get back under the house because I couldn't quite get it from upstairs, back out again. 15 trips. I started singing, It's your life, Lord. <laughs> because what else are you going to do? This week, Bill found out he was um, helping a friend of ours, their family, um, with a leaky faucet. And he came home and he said, so I'm going to have to crawl under the house. He said, Christ in me wants to go back underneath the house, I guess. I guess that was a traumatic experience for you. But I I didn't have the tools with me to open the crawl space, so I, I have to make a second trip. The journey of life in Christ is the refining of our faith and building trust in Jesus. So there were some things that were you, you sang today. Um, you sang about the miracle worker. You sang about um, you'll never let me go. And worship is an amazing tool to reiterate the truth that is true for all of us. But that doesn't mean that we always know it. So this week or next week, or a month from now, you may find yourself in a place where you feel like God has let you go. Will that mean that he has? Will it mean that you were lying when you sang that song? No. What it will mean is that God has has given you the opportunity and exposed you to the truth that you say you know that he'll never let you go, but guess what? Maybe you don't fully believe it, and there's no condemnation in that. I don't know why we think that this process of us going... Oh, no, that's not true for me, is is in any way condemnation or something we need to be afraid of because in reality, that's the work of God in your life. 
That's the work of God in my life, is to those, ex, those situations to expose what we really, truly believe. But if we aren't honest about what's going on in our heart, we won't see those places that are exposed. Actually, what we'll do is we'll call them a lot of other things, especially when they come from someone else. Did you know that God actually can use other people to expose your belief systems? I believe that's what marriage is all about. I do. I really believe that if I have learned that the most that I have learned about what I really believe has come right here. You could say the same thing. Same thing. But you have to be honest about what's going on in your heart. And if you're not honest about that, then you're not going to see it. If you aren't honest about the angst that comes up, and I use the word angst because it comes in all kinds of different forms, you don't need anybody to tell you. And I just want to say that really clearly. This is not something that we walk around and go, hey, I think uh, your beliefs are being exposed. You don't, nobody needs to do that. You know. You absolutely know. And that's not the responsibility of anybody else in the body of Christ. That's the spirit of God within you that goes, yeah, the foundation that you said you were standing on, you don't really believe that. It's still true. This is that. This is a paradox. It's still true. But if you don't believe it, you live like it's not true. Paul expresses the dilemma that we find ourselves in when he talks about doing what we don't want to do and not doing what we want to do in Romans 7.15. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. How many don't understand your own actions sometimes? For I do not want. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. So how do we reconcile this to the reality of Christ within? How can Christ be our life when we aren't, go- when we aren't doing what we know is right and when we still have impure thoughts, or when we struggle with doubt and addiction. Or many other things. I could I throw up a whole bunch more questions. When we, when we have or portray behavior that is not according to what we know would be Christ-like behavior, how can we say Christ is now living this life? I, I struggled with this one, too. I, 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 I fought with her over this. How, you know, uh, if, if this is Christ living his life, you know, some of the stuff I just did and said today, I'm not going to blame that on Jesus. Don't you dare blame that on Jesus because he's not like that. But the fact is, in my spirit, man, when I'm born again, Christ comes to live in union with my spirit. In union, you can't separate. But in my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, there is a lot of garbage, a lot of baggage, I guess is the word I'm after, that still has to be processed. It's his process, but he is doing a purifying process, and that's what this whole belief, the belief is actually in your mind. This whole belief is being, is being purified by his work as he exposes the areas that he wants me to bring to him and receive his truth. 
So what if the hard things we face in life are actually God's purifying fire revealing where we don't believe the power of God is actually able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think? I just want you to think of a scripture. Let's take, um, um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many believe that? Yeah, I do right now. Because uh, I really do in, in services where I can just feel the presence of God. Oh, yes, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Um, when I was life-lighted, well, it's been quite a few years ago, they had given me the wrong medicine, and nobody knew that they had. And Anyway, it was a mess. I begged my family to let me die. I was a pitiful mess. I did not believe that he would never leave me or forsake me at that moment. I thought he'd left me. I felt alone. I felt like I was going through it. And you could say, well, you had drugs in your system or whatever. I don't, it didn't matter. The spirit man was not talking. It was the beliefs in my soul, in my mind, will, and emotions that said, God's not here. Just let me die. I mean, it was, I'm glad there was no social media or like um, Snapchat or anything like that about this whole thing that went on because it was, it was, discouraging if you're going to look and say, well, look, there's a child of God. It was bad. But it was an exposing of what was really, my belief was that when things are about so bad in your physical body, I mean, I was like, I must have done something wrong. It was all on everything else except Jesus is working here, and it was a miraculous thing that happened to me. He healed me, like, in a miraculous way. But before that, I was a mess. What if the struggles are meant to expose those areas that need God's truth and light? What if that's the reason that we struggle? What if we will only know the truth about Christ in us as we come face to face with those beliefs that counter this truth? And what if the inner turmoil of our heart was seen as an opportunity for Jesus to be revealed to us and show us his life within. Wouldn't that change our lives? Now I'm going to say something that you may not agree with, but when we view the challenges of life as evil things to pray away or fix with better behavior, we miss the joy of finding truth as our belief systems are challenged. If you think that anything bad that happens to you is just something that you need to be sure and pray out of your life, you miss an opportunity to find out why it shakes those foundational beliefs of Christ in your life. And I'll tell you what, that sounds harsh, but it's wonderful. It is so wonderful because there's no situation, no arena, no place that you can go, nothing that can happen that you can't go back to this, wow, What I'm feeling here doesn't match what I say I believe about Jesus. This is an opportunity for me to know something from him, the life-changing God. It changes everything. I was raised that if bad things happen to you, you pray and ask God to make them go away. That's the way I was raised. I was raised that if if bad things happen to you, you pray and ask God to forgive you for the sin that you must have committed to allow the, the bad things to happen. Well, that's totally bogus. So, when you're sick for years and your husband's been praying over you and you're not getting better, 
you're getting worse and nobody can figure out what to do. And your husband is tired of praying for you because he's having faith. And what's wrong with you? Okay. So, she spent, she spent seven years fighting infection in her left kidney. They finally took it out. In those seven years, I would pray every morning for healing. I was raised in the church where you shall pray for the sick and they shall recover. And I saw it happen. You know, my belief system was this will happen. So I'd pray for her every morning before I went to work. And as the years drug on, I can't tell you how many times I grabbed that Bible and I threw it against the wall. And I said, can't believe that stuff anyway. It doesn't work anymore. But guess what? I found out that God is sovereign. And just because I was taught but that Bible said every time you pray for somebody, they will get healed. God is more sovereign than that. And he can say, I will heal when I will heal. And I want you to live in peace. And rest in my will. In my timing. And that, that really came about when I learned about his life. For me, the Lord had told me before I got sick that I was going to be sick for, for a while. A while for me was like three days or maybe two weeks. But seven, day, seven years in, I still knew that he had told me, and it was truth. It was a truth that he spoke to me. It wasn't like weird or anything. But I held on to that all the way through that. He didn't speak that to Philip. But he used that situation to build some things in both of us. I believe God heals. Don't walk out of here and think that I that we are saying that God doesn't heal. He does. But God does what he knows is best. God works the work that is eternally significant. And we're looking for God to work the work that is personally significant. When they took the kidney out, when they took the kidney out, guess what? She was healed. It just wasn't in the way that I had anticipated. Once again, my my expectation was not met. And I want you I want you to start watching in your own life and those around you when you see somebody getting upset, you know, having, having an issue, start looking to see what the expectation is that wasn't met. Because I'll guarantee you every time it's in there someplace. When we recognize we have trusted and believed something that counters the truth about God and his divine power. We are in a perfect position to receive from Jesus truth and consequently freedom. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Um, and I'll tell you, I, a, a truth that he... I was in the middle of a job and I was running between a front-end loader that I was loading gravel with and the dump truck. I had to go load the dump truck drive it across town and spread the gravel where another guy took a grader and, and finished out the job. I'm running. I'm at a dead run between two two machines. And this dropped into my heart. He said, by the word of the Lord you shall stand. And by the power of his might it shall be accomplished. 
I went and tried to find that verse. It's not in the Bible. There are some things a little bit like it, but that particular thing was not in the Bible anyway. But the truth that he spoke to me then, by the word of the Lord you shall stand, and by the power of his might it shall be accomplished. And that came back to me over and over and over again. During the time that she was fighting with her kidney infections, uh, the times that she got life-lighted, there was a couple of those, and, and, and many other times since, even when I was laying in the hospital with COVID, that comes back because it's by his power and according to his time because he is sovereign. So part of the reason it's difficult to believe that Christ is our life is because we've accepted a view of ourself that is filled with shame, guilt, and condemnation. I feel that much of the view of myself came from here, up on the platform, the way that I envisioned that God saw me. He saw me, I believed, messing up and trying to get it right. And when we feel that we have so much to do to keep God happy, please him and experience him, and to really know his love, our shame keeps us tied to a view of our life as our own. Because surely that couldn't belong to God, all that shame. So I want to do a little exercise. I, I use this um, many, many, many times. Uh, I use, I've used this with people who don't know Jesus. So it's going to be really easy because you do know Jesus. Um, basically, first of all, I just want to say that because the Holy Spirit dwells within you, there's this ongoing conversation and hearing from God, the Spirit of God, Jesus, is not hard. If you think it is, that's your own imagination because he's in you. So I was, we were listening to something the other day and it was like, how much closer can God get to you? And he's in you. And, and yet, there's a lot of voices. And one of the voices, and it's a good voice, but one of the voices is scripture. I've memorized lots of scripture. And sometimes my default is to experience God speaking to me just by pulling up, and I call it the library, out of the library a scripture. But it's a scripture that's still not true to me because I've heard it and heard it, but it applies to the situation. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. There's nothing wrong with scripture, absolutely nothing wrong with scripture, and you receive truth from scripture. It, it, that's where it talks about the, the written word doesn't mean anything until the Spirit of God quickens it. That happens. Many, I hope it's happening in your life. But today, we're going to do a little exercise where we're going to ask God to speak specifically to us in our language. I deal with a lot of people, and the, the type of counseling that I do is I never tell them what God is saying because I'm not God. Christ in me ministers to them to help them to come to the point where they can hear what he would want to say to them. But I don't know what he wants to say, and I am blown away every time that God speaks. Because he says things that I never could have come up with, because I don't know them as personally as he does. So we're just going to take a couple minutes, and this is not, this doesn't have to be a weird thing. Um, 
It's a beautiful thing. I have, actually have people who do this every day. So I, we're just going to take a few minutes and just closing your eyes is important because if you don't close your eyes, then you look at other stuff in your mind, you sidetrack. If you close your eyes and just ask God, I'm not going to ask him, you get to ask him because it's his life in you. Ask God to show you how he sees you right now. How does God, when he looks at you, you, only you, you're not asking for somebody else, how does he see you? He could give you a picture. He could actually speak some sort of words to you. He could give you an impression. God can speak however he wants to speak. But this is an opportunity to receive truth. So t- somebody tell me, how does God see you? Jerry, how does God see you? Okay. Can be led. It's beautiful. Now, I've done this before, and people have had revelations like, oh, God sees me as really messed up. If that's what you got, you might want to go back and listen again. Because the reality of it is that the way that God sees you has everything to do with Jesus. Everything to do with Jesus. Because he's your life. Yeah, he knows your mess ups. He knows if you've got pride in your heart. He knows all of it. But when he sees you, he sees his son. And he sees a son who is able to be led into whatever needs to be done. Somebody else, how does God see you? I've been struggling all morning with stomach issues and the Lord, I I do this when the rest of the people do, the Lord just says you are whole, I see you as whole and he didn't mention anything about the fact that my stomach is hurting but you know what it's just beautiful to know that he knows what I am thinking about and goes let me respond to that with my truth, you're whole you're whole Somebody else. Yes. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yep. I'm going to challenge you that the next time you find yourself in a place where what you say you believe is different than how you're responding, even if it's just inside, because you may be able to hide it out here, but if you're struggling here, that you stop and say, wait a minute. God, how do you see this? How do you see me in this? I did that a couple weeks ago. 
I had responded to someone shortly, like rudely. I don't like to admit that, but it was true. They came in my office, and they were a little bit pushy, and I was busy, and I responded to them with, you know what, I just don't know if I have time to deal with this. And there was absolutely no love in that one at all. And they broke down and said, I just was wondering if I could have a few minutes of your time. This other was just a, you know, they came in wanting to send a fax, and I was I was so busy anyway, which it, it makes you feel like this. Anyway, so um, when they left, I just obviously sat down and talked to them. I said, Lord, what do you, because I felt bad. And I don't know how else to say it. When you feel bad, I went to the Lord and I said, what do you want me to know? Show me truth in this because I was just kind of a rude person. Not kind of, I was a rude person. And the Lord just really, I, I waited. And sometimes you have to wait because there's all this stuff going on in your mind and your heart. And I just waited and he said, I know your schedule. That's all he said. I cannot tell you the peace that that brought into my life. It changed me. Now, guess what? If I would have went to my friend Christina and said, Christina, this is what happened. I was rude to this person. I'm pretty sure that's not what she would have said to me. God knows your schedule. She probably would have been like, well, yeah, the rudeness thing. I don't know what she would have said. But I know the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. And if you want to, if you want freedom in your life, find out the truth, not from other things, but from God himself. And yes, you read the Bible and truth is, is ignited in your heart. But sometimes we have taken verses and said, this is truth to me. And then we can't live it because we haven't received that revelation from Jesus Christ of, no, actually, let me put it in your language. Let me say it the way I want you to know it. I'll end with this story. There was a gal years, quite a few years ago that I was working with, and she came in because she wanted to end her life. She wanted to commit suicide. She said, you're the last hope. And I've had a few of those, but this particular one, she came in and she looked like death. And I and went into another room, and we basically I just sat with her and encouraged her to receive truth from Jesus. And that was so, you know, there's lots of wounds and all of that other stuff, but um, got to a point and I said, we're just going to wait here and let God speak to you, whatever he wants you to know about this feeling of being abandoned and alone and all of these things. We waited and we waited. And there's a temptation to come up with something that I know better. Um, we just waited. Pretty soon she said, wow, and she started laughing. I was like, well, do you want to share with me what the Lord shared with me? And she said, he just said, I'm here. I said, and? No, he just said, I'm here. She was laughing, and her face was different. Her face was so different. I was in another room in the church when she came in and walked down the hall. I went to the room where Julie was at. And her countenance was so dark. When she came out and walked back up the hall a while later, the people I was with, somebody said, when did that person come out? 
because they were completely, she was completely a different person. How can I'm here transform a person's life like that? That's the truth of the Spirit of God who says, I know what you need to know. I know what you need to hear. Please trust the Spirit of God within you to lead and guide you to the fullness of all that he has for you. It is a glorious life. God is greater than you and I can even imagine right now. But he wants us to see him greater, bigger, more amazing every single day of our life. How does that happen? When you find yourself in a struggle, you don't just go, okay, get everybody together. We're casting this one out. And there's sometimes that that is necessary. Sometimes there's a necessary to deal with stuff. But more times, God, my belief systems are based in something I they were based in. And God doesn't go, yeah, and you're out of here. He says, opportunity for you to know my truth. And like I said last week, and I'll say it again, please, let the journey of healing in the body of Christ be manifest and work as God designs it, not as you imagine it needs to happen. I personally have some things in my life that I've been asking God to deal with for 20 years. And it's just not that important to him, I guess. But I know he's working in my life. One of them is the way I speak to Philip sometimes. I hear it when it comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh my, word, what was that? Just this kind of edgy who do you think you are and why are you talking to me like that? And you could say, oh my goodness, you're disrespecting your, yeah, all those things. Okay. But I've worked on it and it's just fake. And I've tried to be the submissive wife that was supposed to do that thing like that. You're supposed to say the right thing and it doesn't come out right. It's just fake. And then I said, okay, Lord, you deal with me as you want to deal with me. And I don't know. I think. He's working in me. Most definitely. You don't have to say, you know, it's a most definitely, but it's like. Oh, he's most definitely working in well, you, yes. just like he is in me. Yes. One thing, a couple of things, as we wrap up. Remember, it's his process. Uh, we, we had a, a person that we were dealing with at one time, and we were talking to him, and he said, well, I just want to get this, you know, could we just spend this weekend, you know, a couple of days, get this all taken care of. I just want to get everything dealt with. And then and then I'll be good to go. Yep. Yeah, well, we've been working on some of this for 10 years now, you know. And, and we'll figure it be the rest of our life. As he brings stuff to the surface, all of these opportunities, don't, don't, don't look at them just as a crisis in your life. It's an opportunity for healing an opportunity for the purifying of your faith. And begin to look for and expect to see Christ in the others in the body of Christ. And in yourself. Because he has come to dwell within. Start looking for him. Start looking past. You know, there was a song back in the 60s. To talk about looking past the long, you know, all these guys with long hair. 
And it talked about looking past the hair and into the eyes of a person. Look past all of the, okay, maybe they've got piercings and tattoos and wrong, you know, colored hair and, you know, whatever it is that, 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 that bothers you. Bothers you. And start looking for Christ in them. You know, they, our, our behavior, our outward behavior is coming from stuff that we need to get worked out of. That does not mean that Christ hasn't come to dwell within if you've been born again. One of the most beautiful truths that you can find in Christ is that you can trust him in others. That's the most beautiful thing that happened here in this relationship is when I recognized I could trust Christ in Philip. I can't always trust Philip. I can't. That was proven as well. Yes. He didn't doesn't go back and find the dress, you know. And yet I can trust Christ in him, and because I trust Christ in him, I can go, okay, so it's time to go to Lewiston and, and get a new dress. It's just a beautiful thing. I just want to encourage you. There... Many years ago, I had a dream, and it has stuck with me for all these years. And in the dream, I was around a, with a bunch of people, and they would come, and they would tell me their problem, and I would say, how big is your God? And they would stop, and they would go walk away and experience the big God over and over and over. And no, it wasn't that their situation always changed. But I, I still say that to people. How big is this God that you say redeemed you and saved you and is your life right now? Is he not big enough to be in charge of all this stuff that's going on and love you through it all? Because if, if that's not true, you have no good news to share with the world. I'm sorry, but this is not, they aren't signing up for, nobody wants to sign up for, come to church and hear that you got to do better and get it right in order for Jesus to love you and accept you. Nobody wants that. That's not good news. The good news is he loves you right now. Everything that he has promised is for you right now, and he has you on the journey to experience it all. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. And there's really nothing you can do to get more of God if he already dwells in you. It's just experiencing what's already there. So, that's all.